I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Monday. Drew Brees retires. We'll do the normal talk radio stuff on that, but we've got odds on the next Saints quarterback. The favor, Winston, 64% chance. Hill's next, but the other is only 3-1, to one, so we don't know. Is there going to be another? Perhaps, Vegas says. The Patriots have spent more money already in free agency than they have in any year in the last 10 years. And they just got started. Vegas is not impressed, though. Their odds have not changed. Odds have not changed. NCAA tournament, the top four seeds, the number ones are the four favorites. Gonzaga, two to one. And then the next three are bunched together. Baylor, Illinois, then Michigan. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas Truth, covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. Live on a Monday. It's a big Monday and a big week here at Straight Out of Vegas. Live from Vegas. Live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. And what's so special? Yeah, obviously NCAA tournament. Obviously all the NFL news. Drew Brees retiring and such. But we've got special guests flown in. For your benefit, and the first one, and we got two today. First one, AJ Hoffman. Now he is—is is it fair to say a legend in Houston radio? I don't know about a legend. I, I work in Houston radio, though. <laughs> well, I was seeing if you were going to tell the truth. No, I, I'm an honest man. I'm an honest man. I work there. You guys do three. You and uh, Fred Fowler, three hours a day. Yep. Uh, what, what, is that right or four hours? Yeah, three hours a day, afternoon drive. Uh, we're four to seven central time. Now, isn't the real money in morning drive? Uh, yeah, the real so, money so is guys, in morning drive. So you drive. guys are number two, really, at no. your own station. Well, <laughs> y- y- yes, I'll say yes. Uh, I'm also the program director there, so I decide who goes on in the mornings and who goes on in the <laughs> afternoons. So. All right, well, so it's a f- it's fixed is what you're saying. So, it, may, it may be. <laughs> so also, well, I may not be an early riser. How about that? Now, what... <laughs> what I think in another context would be great is, and he's in Los Angeles, Jonas Knox. He is an, a UFC. Now, listen, he's always, Jonas is always going to say he's not an expert, but he's a true <laughs> UFC expert. And, I, I, and uh, AJ actually fought professionally for a while. How many fights? Was it one? Uh, I, had, I had two professional fights, and I had four amateur fights. And, and let me tell you, when he's drinking at the bar, y- you know about it. <laughs> I mean, like, he's telling every... Do you still do that, or have you No, I, well, I don't drink at the bar anymore. <laughs> COVID stopped me from telling my stories. By the way, AJ is a wizard at college basketball. He, like, knows the... All right, I'm going to quiz you right before we go to Jonas. Who is the starting... For I guess there's not who's the point guard for USC for USC yeah 
Oh, Mobley's are the uh, the big stars. Uh, point guard. Well, USC didn't make the tournament. So no, I USC guess. did make oh, the tournament. Oh, they did make it. Yeah, oh, yeah. So you made... should know. Oh, man, are you falling flat right now? I am falling flat right now. You put me on the spot <laughs> Well, let's there. just say I... this. I only asked that question because I was almost certain you would know. But let's just say this. How many hours a week do you spend on college basketball? Uh, I spend probably... Probably eight hours a week. Yeah, I mean, d- digging. It's a deep dive, and oh, it's Tajiri. My bad. <laughs> oh, you just hit you. Right? No, yeah, it's it's late. It's my bad. Now most people are thinking you googled it. But no, no, I didn't you, have Google. I don't. I'm, I'm not googling. <laughs> All right. Well, Jonas, you, you know, he he will delay. He knows UFC. <laughs> I can tell you that much. We're going to Jonas Knox. And always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which the brackets are out for March Madness, we've also got some moving pieces in the NFL. What is the Vegas lead here on this Monday? You know, I know this doesn't feel right, but that's why I'm the voice here. We're going with Drew Brees and his retirement. Because to me, we're going to forget about a lot of this stuff, but where Drew Brees ranks and why he maybe doesn't rank higher – I think tells us a lot about, well, humanity, real. No, about the league, and we're going to start there. Yeah, and that was the big news in the NFL on Sunday. Saints quarterback Drew Brees announcing his retirement after 20 seasons in the NFL. Okay, so the first thing that is shocking, and this is a stat I was big on entering the football season last year, which was, it was in the prior two years, if you look at QBR, which is a great single stat, when it comes to quarterback play, it's probably the best single stat, is only two players in both 19 and 20, so prior to this most recent season, only two players were in the top 10 both years. One, Patrick Mahomes. The other, Drew Brees. And Drew Brees' worst ranking was three, and Mahomes' worst ranking was two. So literally, they were there, and no one else. Russell Wilson, blah, blah, blah. You can keep naming Deshaun Watson. They all had a season out of the of the two out of the top ten. It was that hard to just put two really elite or top third of the league seasons. This season, his retirement season, Drew Brees ranked in QBR number six. So this is when he retires is number six. Now is that because he's so great? He's retiring with uh, gas left in the tank. I don't know. I think this could be about Sean Payton also. But if ultimately performance is what matters, the wannabe scouts that are talking about arm strength and all that, they have no idea what they're talking about. Now, the guys that do said, hey, his arm strength suffered. Maybe that's why he's sixth. But how shocking is it that a guy's retiring when he's number six? We're actually doing some research. McKenzie in research, pregame.com. Did we get a list of the uh, position of QBR when people have retired recently, or should we hold that? Yeah, we got the big names. Go ahead. Philip Rivers retired this year. He was 19th. Continue. Big Ben could have retired this year. He was 22nd. Should have. Oh, go ahead. (laughs) And then there was the Peyton Manning. He actually didn't qualify, but he would have been in the 20s range. And then we have Drew Brees this year. He was 6th. So what we're saying is literally no one we can remember, and there might be an exception, retired when they were even in the top half of the league. And Drew Brees was number six, and he was number two and number three in the three last years. Two, three, and six. And only Mahomes was in the top ten even the first two of those years. So, Jonas, we're straight out of Vegas. As you think about that, 
What does it tell you? Why do you think Brees retired? And what does it tell you that the guy still put up great stats? I think he retired because physically it felt like it was becoming more and more of a challenge for him to get out there. Uh, There was reports that before last season, the Saints had to really talk him into it, that they had to talk him into it. And so he signed after finishing like number two or three. Yeah. And and they signed that he signed the two year deal, but he had the gig already lined up with NBC. And it just felt like this was going to be his last year. Sean Payton uh, accidentally spilled the beans in an interview. And then afterwards said, no, no, I don't know what I'm talking about. He's got two (laughs) years left, but it was, it was obvious to a lot of people But I think what Drew Brees did this year is just indicative of what he did after his shoulder surgery. He figured out how to just play even with limitations. And he did it with how tall he was. He did it with, you know, the devastating uh, stuff he did to his shoulder, his final game with the Chargers. He mastered the ability to know what his body could do and what his body couldn't do. And he played to its strengths his entire career. And I think that's what made him great. Now, that is a strong take because it just shows you that even with the uh, even more obvious limitation of the weakened arm, or as we call it, the noodle arm, he still was able to QBR number six. Now, what a lot of people think is, and I agree with this, the PFF grade, pro football focus, is about looking at each play and assessing not the outcome, but the physical performance. Did, did he do it Right. Right. So, like in baseball, if there were not that there is for PFF, but if it was a hard hit shot down the line, third baseman makes a great play. It's like he hit the ball hard, right? So he gets credit for it in theory. Though again, they don't do baseball, but that's a good analogy. The difference between performance and PFF is often the coaching, is often some luck, and also the supporting cast. So Drew Brees last season, the most recent one, QBR of number six. PFF grade ranked number 25. So it shows you the physical skills were dropping off, but some combination of his savvy. And I think Peyton Manning, it was the same thing when he was in that Super Bowl run. Yeah, he wasn't throwing the ball like he used to, but he had savvy, moxie, some would say. And same thing with Breeze, because he's number 25 when it came to physical performance graded by PFF. Again, another testament, I think, as Jonas said, to his savvy. Okay, A.J. Hoffman, what is your takeaway overall? Any topic about Drew Brees? A lot of it is, uh, you know, Drew was able to adjust as his physical body gave in. Uh, in a lot of the, the same way Brady has, just he, he kind of changed. Do you believe Brady's had a big physical drop-off? I, I do. Wow. Not as big as Brees, but I— His I, hairline's I, even better than yeah. it used to be. I, I think that Brady adjusted his game accordingly, and I think Brees had to do the same even more drastically. And obviously, they, they were both blessed with, with good head coaches who worked with them and, and, uh, and put them in the position to succeed. Are you a Brady hater? I'm not a Brady hater. I, can, I just can't get away from this. Is PFF had him graded number two, like the second-best physical performance on the field— I, and he was, I'm, all I'm saying is they've deep. changed the way he throws. He, the, oh. They changed the way he plays. He does, he's not throwing the deep ball as much as he used to. Ooh, I, I, maybe not as much as in the Randy Moss days, but he certainly stepped up gigantically between 19 and 20. You know, his last year. Well, year. He, he had a receiver. I mean, but well, okay, or more than one. More than one, yeah. So let's put that aside. If we get bored later in okay. the week, we can debate that one. <laughs> so I agree with you in general, though, about Drew Brees. Go ahead. Brees feels to me, and, and people. We'll talk this week about where he belongs on the all-time list. And statistically, he's one of the greatest ever, certainly. 
Well, I, yeah, he's not number one. And I kind of compare him to Carl Malone, though. Like Ooh. now, and Ooh, mind you, dreaded Carl, Carl Malone. Carl Malone <laughs> doesn't have a ring. Drew Brees has a ring, but it almost feels like he's a a, a volume passer, if oh, that's yeah. a real thing. For sure. But like when you think, when you look at the top five all-time points leaders in in the NBA: Kareem, Malone, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. One of those feels like it doesn't belong, right? That's how Drew Brees feels to me. He, he feels like, man, that's a guy who put up a lot of stats in his career, big, big numbers, but I don't think his legacy is going to match the LeBrons and, and the Jordans of his era. Okay, a couple things. One, I was already upset as you were talking that like Jonas has a classic radio voice, you have one, <laughs> and it just makes me look... I, I guess there's two ways to look at this. One is, oh my gosh, AJ sounds good, or the other could be, how smart must RJ be if he's there as the you know lead host of the show? Well, I don't know, Jonas. And I, I mean, what's that say about oh, Fezzik then? Please don't. You know, <laughs> no. But <laughs> look, I'm, oh wow, that's a whole. Listen, Fezzik is smart too, right? No doubt about it. <laughs> so, but then the second thing I'm a little mad about is I was going to say as my tease, I'm going to compare Breeze to a player that you couldn't imagine. But once I say it, you're going to be like, yeah. And it was going to be Kareem. So I know that wasn't your focus. Okay. Meaning, because Breeze, look, no one thought Malone was one, even the best player of his era. But you look at Breeze, at least if it wasn't for the playoffs, if the season ended and there were, were no playoffs, like whoever had the best record just got the championship. Would Brady, I think you could make the case Breeze has had better regular seasons than Brady. Uh, but then you'd have to bring Peyton Manning into the conversation. For sure. But what I'm saying is literally Breeze would be in the top tier yes. conversation. He's not. But that's Yeah, because that's not what we care about at the end of the day in the I, NFL, I with quarterbacks especially. But is Kareem ever in the top conversation? I think it's because he's a big. Otherwise, he, he would be. But I think that has something to do with it. Another comp would be Emmett Smith. Emmett Smith's the all-time mm. leading rusher. I don't know anybody who thinks he's the best running back of all time. That's brilliant. But they do think he's brilliant, but my cream no, is just... Uh, yeah, well, his, <laughs> his is more apt, I think. I think he beat what? you on this one, yeah. <laughs> well, let me push back that. I was going to let that go. <laughs> Wouldn't you say Emmett Smith is in the convers that first-tier conversation? It's Peyton, Emmett Smith, Jim Brown, Barry Sanders probably, right? Yeah, he, yeah he's in the conversation. He's in the and discussion. And do you think Breeze is in the conversation with Alway and Montana? No, it's not apt. Yeah, right out on the right on the outside of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a good point, but the brilliant was a little bit of an overboard. All right, I don't know what my tease is going to be, but we're going to take over. No, I know what it's going to be. Colin Cowherd made a really interesting point about Breeze, and I agree with half of it. But I think the second half is the key, and he was talking, why isn't Breeze as beloved as maybe his stats say he should be? It's not just Super Bowls. We'll talk about that. That's coming up next. But first, be sure to join Fox Sports Radio's M-Drive Million Dollar Bracket Challenge. That's right, the Million Dollar Bracket Challenge. If you fill out a perfect bracket at foxsportsradio.com, you will win $1 million. That's right, a perfect bracket at foxsportsradio.com, and you win $1 million. You can compete against Fox Sports Radio hosts and fellow listeners. The listener in first place, even without a perfect bracket, wins a $1,000 gift card. 
Second place gets $300, and third place takes home $200. You can fill out your bracket now and get official rules at FoxSportsRadio.com. It's the Fox Sports Radio M-Drive Million Dollar Bracket Challenge. Refind your prime with M-Drive. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is Jason McIntyre. Join me every weekday morning on my podcast, Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. This isn't your typical sports pod pushing the same tired narratives down your throat every day. Straight Fire gives you honest opinions on all the biggest sports headlines, accurate stats to help you win big at the sports book, and all the best guests. Do yourself a favor and listen to Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. If you speak out against the words and the I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will continue talking about the end of an era in the NFL. And we're going to get a chance to get an insider's view of Deshaun Watson's problems in Houston because A.J. Hoffman joins Houston Radio. Great day to join us. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Our audience has doubled in the last year plus. Thank you so much for the support. And just keep going to get better. Keep getting better. The be- I won't sing the best is yet to come just because I like the audience. <laughs> <laughs> you can listen on the iHeartRadio app. Just search straight out of Vegas. In Vegas today on the Strip, 66 degrees, and the neon is chugging. And we opened up the show talking about the retirement of Drew Brees, a 20-year NFL career that no doubt will turn into a first ballot Hall of Fame election. And we're going to get a chance this upcoming NFL season to see how much it was Brees and how much it was Sean Payton, because we've seen with Teddy Bridgewater a nice run. We've seen with Taysom Hill a nice run. With Breeze hurt, what I find interesting is if you look at Tom Brady, you look at Peyton Manning, and you say, let's assume those two weren't around, and you could say, well, they are around. True enough. But there's no other quarterback, even in the conversation statistically, of all the quarter, Big Ben, Phillip Rivers, whoever you want to put into the, in doing this era, the other good quarterbacks, Eli Manning, obviously not as good in the regular season. It's uh, Manning, uh, Peyton, obviously. It's Tom Brady, and it's Breeze. And after that, and Breeze is first in a lot of those categories right now, but like yards. But after that, it was 8,000 yards to Brett Favre. So imagine if Breeze were retiring right now, 8,000 yards ahead of the guy who's retired. That's two full seasons of play, and they both play 20 years each. And if anything, Breeze got hurt more than Favre, so you could make the, you know less games. So statistically, there's three people in the history of the earth that are in the conversation for regular season stats, and Breeze is one of them. And imagine if just the other two hadn't happened. It'd be an interesting conversation. Would there be people saying Breeze is the best of all time? Because no one is saying Breeze is the third best. Right? Everyone seems to think there's the top tier, 
and you know Elway, Montana, Manning, Brady, and I don't know, maybe one or two others, but I don't know. I think everyone has him in that second tier, but you got to wonder why, which segues to what Colin said about Breeze. He said it's cause he's short, and people looked at him and thought, yeah, that's not, you know, that's not a great, an all-time great can't be 5'11". I don't think that's what it is. If anything, if you think about Steph Curry, why does Steph Curry get more love than his stats maybe say he should get? I mean, he has great stats, but he gets more love than that. And people have speculated it's because it, that a normal human being looks at Steph Curry and they can imagine themselves doing that. Right? They don't really, you know, they don't think, well, it's almost impossible to hit that many shots. They're thinking, I can shoot. You know, if I had a shooting coach, who knows? I think, Jones, you've said that before, actually, I remember. <laughs> but, but I do believe that. You look at LeBron, you can't imagine yourself doing what LeBron does, but you can with Curry. Well, in theory, you look at Drew Brees and it'd be like, huh, I'm 5'11", I could do that. But I don't think that's what it is. I think what it is, is because he is 5'11", he plays like he's 5'11". He, so, he was so disciplined. He was so accurate. He was so regimented. He was like a computer in a way. And most people realize that's harder for them to do than wing the ball. So like a, I, I thought a good analogy was Doug Flutie. Doug Flutie played you know, like he was 6'4", even though he was short. And everyone loved Doug Flutie more than maybe his stats indicated because he had such moxie. And in my opinion, Colin believes that it's people look at Breeze and say he can't be an all-time great. I think it's because he plays unlike any other quarterback that's been a great, and people can't relate to the way he plays more than him being 5'11". What do you think, AJ? I, I think that you make some valid points. I, I do think we talked about this during the break. If he were six foot six, we wouldn't be as maybe impressed with what he's doing. because it, See, that's the thing. If he was 6'6 and he still played this way, I would still – think people wouldn't love it. They'd be like, why is it? It's almost like a, six, a 6'11 center that's shooting threes all the time. People want you to f- let your physicality prevail. And I think Breeze doesn't let it prevail because he doesn't have it. He didn't have it. But if he were 6'4 and still played the same way, I think people would be even more critical of him. I think more than his size, I do think that he has a lot of fans because of his size. I think that more than that, though. Really? Who? who? I, I think, Like you said, I think a lot of people look at it and say, man, I could do that. That could be me. But Jonas, do you believe you'd be the tiebreaker here? Do you think, considering his stats and his performance, Drew Brees has about the number of devoted fans he should, more or less? I think that he's overshadowed by yeah. playing in the era of Brady and Manning. I, I, I actually think if, if we're doing the comp thing, it's kind of similar. When people talk about the 80s in the NBA, they talk about bird and magic. Isaiah was pretty damn good, and he's got titles to show for it, but he never gets brought up in that same class because Mm. I think he was overshadowed throughout the entire decade when he was playing there. See, I would say the following, having been a kid in that era, is Isaiah felt like he was of a different era. That that remember, Magic and Bird's first year was 79-80, and Isaiah's was was it eighty-five or six? We can look that up, but I think it was a nice tier. He, you know, in a way that when the Pistons did supplant the Lakers, it was like a, a passing of the torch. But you're right. I think if you not so much a Magic Bird, but if you just look at overall NBA history, Isaiah being small, 
does seem to work against him. Or it could be the, the Michael Jordan mafia and how much he hates, <laughs> hates Isaiah, too. I mean, it's probably as much as anything. Oh, wow, Isaiah's... I remember that he was on that Indiana team in 81. Boy, why did it seem like... I guess maybe he didn't emerge. In my mind, I, yeah. I had Isaiah. Oh, yeah, you're 81 was the Indiana team, So, and then he would have went to the pros right after that. But it, he never gets talked about. And yeah. he had a great career. That's interesting. And he's got championships. And he, I, I think Breeze found himself in an era where when we talk about this era, the first quarterbacks we bring up are Brady and Manning. And well, no Breeze yeah, put up amazing stats, but he just the right, wrong time and the right place, I guess. So. All right, well, we've given the due respect to Drew Brees. Now let's dig in and let's get a reset from Jonas on the latest Deshaun Watson news, and we'll get the inside from a Houston guy. Yeah, so the uh, Deshaun Watson news is he has not been traded yet. Uh, reports are that he still wants out of Houston. David Coley, as head coach, has said uh, that they are committed to Deshaun Watson, but we are still waiting to see whether or not Deshaun Watson is going to be the quarterback for the Houston Texans in 2021. And we had an uncomfortable press conference where he looked like it was uh, a hostage video, I would say, maybe. And then I hear later that he did a podcast earlier in which he says, so listen, we don't need the, the PC. We want the skinny. What's going on? I, I think the Texans don't want to trade Deshaun Watson, and they realize that they've got a lot more pull in this situation, a, lo a lot more leverage than Deshaun does. Uh, Deshaun signed his deal. He hasn't played it down on that new deal. What's changed? This is a question we keep asking ourselves. From the time he cashed that first check, what has changed that could be a fundamental uh, reason to say, I want to break a contract. As unbelievable as it sounds, Bill O'Brien left. And, and most people would think, oh, that's a positive. But do they, but they didn't. It, do you think it's a negative? I, I think the fact that they didn't look like they did anything to improve the situation there, and they left the guy in charge, the, the Jack Easterby, they left him in charge, the, the guy that seemed to be the right-hand man of Bill O'Brien, I, I think that bothered Deshaun because they're not going in a new direction. It looks now like it's just more of the same. So you and I I and, and or uh, Fred have had done radio for like eight years straight. This year I wasn't able to. I'm going to get back, but and I loved our hit. But I haven't heard your take on this. To me, from an outside, the Easterby situation, it feels like the knives are out in a way that doesn't make any sense to me, and that it feels almost like a, a religious backlash in a way because usually everyone gets the benefit of the doubt in the league. This guy came from Andy Reid, the two best coaches by most accounts right now, Andy Reid and Belichick. He was with Kansas City first, Easterby, then went to the Patriots. You got a guy like friend of the show, Mike Lombardi, who is not afraid to be negative about people, saying that he was a good man, as far as I could see. Now, I get the whole idea, should he be in the position he's in? But boy, it feels like the negativity about Easterby is much bigger than that. What do you see on the ground? With Andy Reid and Bill Belichick, he was not involved in football decisions, and that's the and biggest issue. And what football issue. decisions has he made that's been bad? Like, do do we know he's making football decisions? He made the decision on the GM to hire the, the Texans. Is, is that a football or is that an executive decision? Isn't uh, the owner usually going to make that decision? What's he know about football? Oh, uh, well, that's true. But he the, they they hired a search firm. After the search firm That's gives, plausible deniability. gives a list of five candidates, he says, well, you know, my buddy Nick Casario back there in New England, he'd be good for this job. Uh, and no, and he apparently no, also that, signed off on the Hopkins trade, which obviously ends up looking pretty bad for the Texans. 
He signed off on he, the Hopkins trade. What is that? Pushed, so he had the right to veto that trade. Did he, he have the right? To, did Easterby have a right to veto that trade? I believe he did. Well, maybe he's a genius political operator that knew the trade was going to happen anyway. It's possible. Because let's be honest, to rise like he's risen is a pretty amazing thing. This is like a movie that's like being there or something, but the gardener becomes a consultant to the president. It goes back to the religious thing. One thing that'll get you a lot of power is a religious connection. And I believe that Jack has more of a tie with the mom. I think any affinity you have with the boss is a good thing. Right. And this goes above Cal McNair to his mother, Janice McNair, who still technically owns the team, doesn't manage day-to-day things. She loves uh-huh. Jack Easterby, uh-huh. and she wants him now, to stay that, involved. Is that with the widely team. reported? Uh, I, I don't think it's widely reported, but it's it's widely well, known. Breaking in Houston. news is what you're saying. I'm not breaking Nash, news. I mean, it, you're not just in your little Houston show. Maybe this outside our little circle, I would say it's widely known. <laughs> wow, what do you think of that, Jack? That's interesting. Is because oftentimes, and again, this is an individual case, but religious ladies they get older, and it, there becomes a real power. Even the Sopranos depicted. There's a real powerful connection that goes beyond the typical relationships. Huh. What do you think, Josh? It's kind of similar to Seattle, where they've talked about uh, Pete Carroll and his his relationship there with ownership and, and how uh, after there was a passing, um, the owner passed away, that he still kept a close bond and a close relationship with the family there that was court, sort of overseeing things. And so you knew it had to be something, because if Jack Easterby didn't provide anything football-wise, he must have provided something at, at, from a relationship standpoint or a friendship standpoint to be able to still be in power after all these years. That's Jonas Knox. I'm RJ Bell. We're straight out of Vegas. Now, I've read the Sun's Wikipedia page. I mean, literally, that's about my... But it seems like he is a... And I'm going to say seems because I don't know. It seems like he's a typical second-generation billionaire where daddy helped him where he could, but he just never really... Like if this, he's like Arthur. Now, okay, so, <laughs> so I know it's easy to lampoon the billionaire son, but... Would you would you say if you kind of take away that 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 acidicness that that legitimately this is a guy that that hasn't achieved a ton even with all those advantages and maybe it makes sense he's kind of bumbling through this he he's achieved nothing without his dad around and <laughs> don't don't sugarcoat it <laughs> just being honest he he's done nothing without him and and since his dad's passing which also I think that Jack Easterby being there when when Bob McNair passed helping Janice uh, mm-hmm. through that. I think that kind of drew her in. But I also think that he was a guy who was always set to take this job when Bob McNair died, and he was never fully prepared to do it. And and now they've gone from being a a, a solid ownership to, to really one of the worst-run organizations in sports, period. Yeah, I think that's true. This is A.J. Hoffman from Houston giving us the insight. I'm R.J. Bell straight out of Vegas. Last thing on this for now. We'll talk a little bit about it throughout the week. And we got a ton of college basketball previewing to do. Remember, the tournament doesn't tip off the main part till Friday, an extra day this week. The father, there were some comments made that were deemed racially insensitive. Was the, you know, you've had a press pat, you know, you've been in Houston a long time. Was the whispers that that was a problem, that the players felt like that there was insensitivity from the top? Or was that a one-time thing that was real but... A one-time thing. It was more than a one-time thing because there's the, the we can't let the inmates run the uh, run the prison and comment. That's the that one I'm thinking of. He also went up to the players the day that Barack Obama was elected in tears, 
saying that this is the worst thing that's ever happened to our country. I'm telling you. I mean, I could see a guy that felt that I, saying it at the country club. No, he said it to his players. <laughs> and what and, was his rationale? I, I mean, boy, you know what his rationale was. Well, but he was, was it, thinking it, the players would agree with him? Well, I, I guess I, in some way, I guess he did. He thought, well, these are millionaires, too. They'll agree with me. Uh, but uh, oh. that, I used to do a show with Dwayne Brown, who's now the left tackle for the Seahawks, and left on – at odds with ownership over these these types of things and he he when he told me that story it was unbelievable that that, that that's the he, he just so doesn't so doesn't this make the case that his passing away in new control should be a net positive it should have been but not but not all right this story we'll keep updating be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. It's Straight Out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. Okay, so you might think, boy, AJ knows a lot about Houston. What's he know about college basketball? Does he know who USC's point guard is? Well, we're going to, after the break, give you his pick to win the tournament, his biggest overrated team his biggest underrated team and more that's coming up next he's rj bell i'm jonas knox this is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on fox sports radio fox sports radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app search fsr to listen live R.J. Bell, we're straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And R.J., it is NCAA tournament time. The brackets are out. Your number one seeds are Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, and Michigan. And those are the four favorites, but Gonzaga is a big favorite. Two to one. And then Baylor, Illinois, Michigan, in that order, are between six to one and eight to one. So this is a... There's like the billionaire at the top or the multi-billionaire. Then there's the three billionaires and then some other tiers, obviously. But the Zags are clearly the best. We're going to get A.J. Hoffman, college basketball expert, pick on the eventual champion. First, though, give me three teams, and this guy doesn't mess around, that you think are under or let's go overrated. Overrated, which means... You, they're going to be laying more points typically. Their odds are not going to be juicy at all. These are teams to avoid because they're overrated. You've got three of them. Yeah, tech, Texas Tech jumps off the page at me. Uh, this is a team that, you know, from a, an ATS standpoint, they were 10 and 17 against the spread this year. All right, so which is a sign of they fell short of expectations. Right. Constantly fell short of expectations, yet they're still at 25 to 1. I think they're 14th uh, in the odds at 25 to 1. So I think Texas Tech wildly overrated based on what we saw two years ago when they made a run to the finals. Okay, so we'll go through the three teams. Then I'm going to have you pick one of the these teams to fade in the first round. The second team is, I'm not going to take it personally, but my team, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah, Ohio State dealing with whoa, some... Whoa, whoa. The. The the Ohio State Buckeyes uh, dealing with some injuries late in the season, and they made a nice run through the uh, the Big Ten tournament. Obviously, they're good. I just don't know that Ohio State is sixteen to one good, and I don't know that they should be such a huge favorite uh, in the first round. Now, listen, I'm not. I do not try to be a college basketball expert, 
But wouldn't you agree, Ohio State, and I'm going by recollection here, they played better in the second half, right, of the season? Yes, sir. In general, would you say this season, with more disruption early and all that, that waiting these later games, and maybe in each individual case, maybe not, but generally makes more sense in a typical season? Well, I, I say oh, when you say Ohio State played better, they they had a good run in the tournament. Ohio State lost their last four regular season games, okay. so they kind of stumbled. That. They I stumbled just... into the tournament, and then they had a nice tournament run. Well, listen, Buckeyes typically step up when you know when it matters. When the pressure's most. on. And do you think it matters most against Oral Roberts? Uh, we'll see. Do you know where Oral Roberts is? Um, not anywhere near Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> I know that much. All right, last one. Iowa, another Big Ten. You think overrated? Yeah, and and Iowa is good, but if. To be the fifth favorite overall is just absurd to me. A team that doesn't play much defense, I don't like so, it. So you're, saying among, um, you're saying amongst the number two seeds, or all four number ones or the top four, this is the fifth favorite? This is the fifth favorite, Iowa, 16-1. to one. And you T- Tied with Oklahoma State and Alabama. Okay. Amongst these three, if you had to fade one in the first round against the spread, who's it going to be? It's going to be Ohio State. Ooh, explain why quickly in that matchup. Oral Roberts is an offensive juggernaut for their, you know, for their class, uh, which Ohio State's happy to play that style. They're happy to get into a back-and-forth game. It's just hard to cover that many points with a team that is going to score. They're going to score. Especially, remember, in the first round of the tournament, if you're a big favorite, you don't often keep your starters in if you're up 12 with two minutes left because you're playing within 48 hours again. Absolutely. Okay, uh, we got two minutes, so I'm going to read your three underrated and give me a sentence on each. Purdue at 40-1 to one underrated. Dominant big man in Travion Williams. Matchup nightmare for a lot of guys. A team that's – they've got zero seniors, which worries me, but they've got a lot of talent that's come together late in the season. Oregon at 50-1, to one, also underrated. Oregon is tough because they, they, their bracket did them no favor. The, uh, the committee did them no favors, but that's a really good team, a really talented team that's gonna, they're going to make some noise, I think. Okay, and when you say no favors is they were underseeded, or maybe there's a particularly bad matchup. Texas, uh, from you know your home state here, also underrated. Yeah, I do think Texas is a little bit underrated. Uh, Twenty to one was their number. Uh, th- there's a lot of people who think they're a Final Four team. I don't know if they're quite that, but I think they're close. All right, so you're listen, AJ Hoffman. We're straight out of Vegas. You're savvy. You're you're the kind that's going to give us something no one would expect. So I'm excited. Who do you have to win the title? I'm going to give you probably the same guy like Dickie V and all these guys are given. <laughs> it's Gonzaga. I, I just think I, I hate to do it. I, I hate to, to go chalk, but I just think they're – Oh, they're, apparently you're comfortable with it. They're a class ahead of everyone else. And we see Baylor. They haven't looked the same since COVID. Michigan's coming into this tournament with an injury to a really key guy in Isaiah Livers. So that second class – the gap is widening between Gonzaga and the field. It's just really hard to pick against them. Now, don't you agree that variance is going to be higher, that there will be more upsets and stuff? So, is this, do you think the rest of the tournament, because Dave Esler, who, by the way, he agrees with you on that first round, he likes the idea of Utah State over Texas Tech, and you like Oral Roberts over Ohio State. So, you guys are in total agreement. But his point was, and we're going to have to pick this up tomorrow, that the high variance of the COVID and all that would really affect the chalk. Uh, you think so with the others, but not Gonzaga. You only got 10 seconds. I think there's 67 teams that are going to deal with a lot of variants. But Gonzaga is so good, it doesn't They're matter. They're above it. All right, we keep this going tomorrow, Jonas. If you missed any of today's show, you can check out the podcast at FoxSportsRadio.com, including an inside look at the dysfunction of the Houston Texans and an early look at the NCAA tournament. We are back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio and as always on the iHeartRadio app.